USA Today reported that the Monterey Park, California shooting that left 11 people dead now has, and this is a quote, revived the fears and trauma of anti-Asian hate for the Los Angeles Asian community. Uh, There are just two tiny little problems with the USA Today story. Number one, the killer was Vietnamese, and two, USA Today knew that before they published that story. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Steve Green with Scott Ott and Zoe Rachel filling in for Bill Whittle this week. Welcome, Zoe. This is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, uh, this is one of those stories. I wrote about this on Monday for PJ Media because, boy, did it get my ire up when I saw the timestamp on this USA Today story about uh, if you, killer fuels anti-Asian fears and hate and all the rest. The timestamp on the story was uh, about 4.45 in the afternoon on Sunday. This is hours and hours after we knew the identity of the killer. And I'm, I'm not going to mention his name. I don't believe in giving these people any publicity. Good. Um, the incident... USA Today reported, has revived the fears and trauma brought on by a wave of hate incidents and tragedies that have struck the community over the last few years, even though this, of course, was not a racial incident. Uh, Scott, I don't blame the reporters for, for getting reactions of people who were there. That's that's their job, is is one of their jobs, is is to do that. But I do blame the editors for going with this false narrative angle hours after they knew that that wasn't the case. Uh, What about you? There are a couple of problems with coverage like this. Uh, The first is that the fact that we have 24-7 news live streams basically now um, means that the the news editors have to fill the time with something even when there's nothing. So when we don't have any additional information, they uh, quickly tire of simply regurgitating the basic facts that came out in the initial police press conference, and they have to start looking for other angles. So they go around and interview people who are completely witless about what happened, even if they were there. They don't know why it happened, who did it, or whatever was going on. And so then you put that on TV in front of a camera from some traumatized person, and it has the air of credibility. Yeah. You think, oh my goodness, this poor person who was subjected to that kind of terror um, you know, at a normal dance hall um, is, is freaked out by this. I should be freaked out by it as well. And you get concerned about issues that don't really exist. Um, it's so, so you've got that, you've got this, this alligator of 24 seven TV that has to be fed constantly. And then you get the inclination of association that people naturally do, but journalists are supposed to have some inhibitions about this. Journalists are supposed to not immediately do what the rest of us do, which is to leap to conclusions, to tie previous events with current events and assume that there's a connection before any connection can be established. But they immediately go back and say, okay, well, this happened uh, and it's there's some similarity to it. Therefore, when the new thing happens, we've got to tie those two together, even if they're untied. There have been two shootings in California in the last several days. From all indications, they're completely kind of separate motives, even though there are some similarities. So the media is immediately lumping those together. Oh, now California is terrified that everywhere they go, somebody's going to you know pull out a gun and start shooting. Um, but from all indications, the second one was kind of a workplace violence thing where there was somebody who had an ax to grind uh, and, and was different, apparently, from the first one. So you, you just, as a news consumer, you have to 
exert the inhibition that the journalist fails to exert. You have to stop and say, wait a minute, how do you know that? Um, I'll give you an example. I read a story um, or heard a story. No, I read a story on NPR's website about a couple of Russian uh, oligarchs, so to speak, who went on uh, a drinking and tourism binge in India. And uh, one of them uh, died of a heart attack and the other one, after his friend died, jumped off a building and died. Now, in that story, they mentioned that there have been a lot of Russian oligarchs who were seen as critical of the Putin administration who have fallen out of windows, uh, you know, in the last or have died under strange circumstances. There have been 19 of them since, and they named a date, okay? My immediate question was, what is the normal mortality rate for aging Russian oligarchs? <laughs> Well, How many of these people I, I, are I think, there? I'm, I'm going to guess that's, number one, a fairly small demographic. And number two, one that despite the riches, I wouldn't want to be a member of, given that's the mortality. Right. I certainly wouldn't want to try and pay the life insurance premium. <laughs> so so I'm not saying that there wasn't something there, but you, but there was no context. They, they should have yeah. said, and by the way, in the previous two-year period, not a single one of Putin's critics uh, died under mysterious circumstances or none of the Russian oligarchs passed away or there was one guy who died in a car crash, whatever. But they gave no context. They just threw out a number, 19, and they go, oh, yeah, oh, there's something there. So the same thing with these stories about the shootings. They, they say anti-Asian hate, and you go, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, people hate Asians, and which I you know, didn't realize until they told me that. Um, but they, they are injecting something into the story instead of letting the facts and the evidence come out. There was just a news conference in one of these cases where an, uh, the, one of the prosecuting attorneys said, look, uh, we're asking the public not to get ahead of the facts. This is going to take days, weeks, months, possibly even years to fully flesh out everything that went on here. It's a slow process, but it's the process of justice and, and give us some time. The media cannot stomach that. Yeah. It's, Scott, you probably wouldn't be uh, at all surprised to learn that the story was updated at 11.30 p.m., according to the timestamp on the story by USA Today on, on Sunday night, again with the same headline, the same angle. Uh, I discovered it on Monday, same headline, same angle. This is Tuesday we're recording now. I went back to triple check. They're still running with the anti-Asian hate and fears angle. At, at what point do you, do you go back and you say, hey, uh, we screwed up with the original headline. Uh, here's what actually happened. Ever? Maybe they're going with a self-loathing angle. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm afraid it's the readers they loathe. And uh, that's, yeah. certainly, that's certainly reflected in circulation numbers. Um, so this, to me, is what, uh, what really gives the game away, as far as I'm concerned. The third paragraph of the story quoted Frank Wu, and this they collected in the first run of the story. Uh, he's president of Queens College, City University of New York, and he said this before the attacker was identified. He said, even if we cannot be sure an attack was racial in intent, it nonetheless can't be racial in effect. In other words, everything is about race. Yes. And can't we get past this? Um, we, we could, Steve, we could. Uh, but it's not likely at this point. And yes, folks, it's going to get worse. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, this this whole uh, race narrative is is going to get worse. Uh, and I, I talk about how we can offset those things in like my book and all that sort of stuff and in my videos. I hope you guys will check those out. Trying to help. Dang it, trying to help. But um, 
Yeah, but yeah, Scott, you're, you're right, man. Is as term in terms of filling up uh, a 24-hour narrative of news, that's one motivation for them to keep this going. But the thing is, Steve, as long as it equals money and as long as it equals votes, this race narrative is going to go on and on and on. And these people want to try to act like that they they care so much about the different races and all that sort of stuff. And, and <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it, it it does kind of make you choke on it. No, sorry, there's something in my throat. <clears throat> yeah. No, for real. No, I'm okay. good. I got a tear or two, but man, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is, you know, with mm. this narrative, they have to keep this. They have to keep this going, and it's very condescending and it's insulting to anybody uh, who isn't white because these people want to make it like the only people who are smart enough to pull the trigger are white people. We're the only ones smart enough to be able to handle a gun. Nobody else is smart enough to handle a gun. You're too dang stupid. So it can't be another person of color who is going around shooting other people. It had to be a white person. And they're going to make this Asian person, I guess, out to be white or anything like that, as if even you can ha you can actually have people within the same uh, nationality who despise each other. And I don't even know if that was his motivation for, for, for why he did that. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, a You list. know, exactly. It's like, and, and I don't think I'm going to despise this person just because, and, and now that's just me. If I don't like a person, it's because I don't like them. But you do have other people who do not like you, even though for the exact reason of you being the same persuasion as them. They will find a reason to hate you anyway. And uh, so, but anyway, uh, Steve, they have to keep this narrative going to, uh, to basically come uh, to, to be, be the assumed champions of the race uh, narrative. It, make, it equals money and votes for them. Uh, in terms of being the uh, higher moral ground in terms of the gun issue, uh, so they want to be able to use that as leverage for gun control. These people are all about controlling guns, controlling people, controlling the weather, controlling population. They're, they're full-on control freaks. Everything except controlling yourself is on the menu. You know, yeah. Steve, yeah. Just, to, just to put some icing on that cake that Zoe made, it just reminded me of the scene uh, from Steve Martin's movie The Jerk where that sniper... <laughs> began just randomly picked Navin Johnson out of the phone book and decided to shoot him. And he was at that time working as a gas station attendant and these bullet holes started appearing in cans of oil and oil was spurting out of the cans. And, and uh, Navin Johnson goes, he hates those oil cans. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in so long and I'm a huge Steve Martin fan. I've been a Steve Martin fan since I was so young. I'm talking like eight, nine years old that my buddy Kevin and I would go down to his parents' rec room and put on a Wild and Crazy Guy, which is brand new on, on vinyl, and in order to keep getting from getting caught listening to this forbidden comedy album, we'd turn the volume on to like one half of one, and I'd press my <laughs> ear against one speaker, and Kevin would press his ear up against the other speaker, and his mom still came down and caught us. Dang it. But it was just, it was a perfect picture of drawing conclusions from initial evidence that are wrong, but seem so right at the time. Because yeah. what was getting hit? Oil cans were getting hit. So that must be what he was upset about. Just the same as if you walk into a dance hall, it must be because you hate Asians. Never, you know, never mind who's actually yeah. squeezing or the trigger. Maybe he hated the music. Yeah, well, you know, you could have hated that. I hate, well, I don't want to do an Asian impersonation. I could do, I, I, I can count. Uh, in, in some Asian languages and stuff like that. And I've taught, you know, many different uh, Asian martial arts. So I don't want to seem disrespectful if I try to put on an Asian accent. Hey, these people are the same ones who, who X'd out Bruce Lee and put in a white dude to play Kane in Kung Fu. 
<laughs> right? Uh, guys, so wrong. What this reminded me most of, there's a uh, movie from the early 90s, mid-90s. It's a, it's a favorite of mine. Ron Howard directed it. It's called The Paper. And great cast in this movie. Uh, uh, Michael Keaton, uh, uh, Glenn Close, uh, Robert Duvall, Jason Robards, Marissa Tomei. Ooh, Marissa Tomei. And the paper is set at a, at, a, at a fictional version of the New York Post. And the paper's in financial trouble, and I think they're looking for a buyer. I have watched it a while. And Michael Keaton's the editor. And they're going to press with a, a cover story, and you know the lurid New York Post cover stories, uh, yeah. that's going to falsely blame these, these two kids, these two young men of a terrible crime. And as it turns out, they find out very late in the day that the story just isn't true. But it's so expensive to do the stop the presses thing and and change the uh, the, the the cover story of the, the paper that management isn't going to let Michael Keaton change it. And they, they, they tell him, you know, hey, we've we've gone to press plenty of times with stories that turned out to be true. And he said, yeah, <laughs> but we never went to press knowing they weren't true. And that's what we have here. There's never any stop the presses moment because there's no press anymore. As Scott and Zoe both mentioned, we've got this 24-7, 365 news cycle, and there's nobody left anymore in the mainstream media who cares enough to say, stop, let's get the story right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your right angle on that, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Zoe, thank you so much for filling in for Bill today. And Scott, thank you so much for being here as always. And thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.